Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to get straight into the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 5. You know, what an amazing book the Bible is, not just a bestseller ever since there's been a bestseller uh, every year, wins out every year, but it changes us, it renews us, it gives life to us, it's God's food for our soul, just an amazing book. And I just encourage you, if you don't read the Bible regular, you need to start reading the Bible. It will change your life. Um, you can be saved but not be free. You can be saved but still have a temper. You can be saved and still battle lust. You can be saved and still be insecure. And the list goes on and on, right? And for me, the thing that's helped me through all the things I just named, and a lot I don't have time to name, has been this book right here. It, it changes us. So the highlight of the next 30 minutes is the scriptures we're going to read. That's what it is. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I'd pray, but I've been praying all morning. been praying during the service, and so we're just going to jump right into it. I read this verse early this morning because yesterday I started getting the subject of humility on my heart and I got up early this morning, read this verse and five things stood out to me. God spoke five things to me and I just want to share them with you. Number one, be teachable. Be teachable. He says, you younger submit yourself to your elders. Now, it sounds like he's saying everybody with... Um, Black hair or blonde hair, submit yourselves to people with gray hair or no hair. But that's not actually what he's saying. It could be, but that's not what he's saying here. Because if you read this in context, the four verses before verse number five, he's actually talking to a role in the church. It's Peter, and he says, I, I write to you elders. And he goes, I want to encourage you. And by the way, I'm a fellow elder. And then he begins to talk about this leadership position in the church. He begins to say things like, don't be dishonest, serve, be a good shepherd. And then he comes down when he's done speaking to the elders, the leadership, and then he goes, now I want to speak to everybody young. And in the Greek language, it literally can mean young, but it also just means new. He goes, I want to speak to you people who are newer because the elders, they've got more experience, but I want to talk to you people that don't have the same level of experience as they do. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to humble yourselves before them. I want you to submit yourself. What he's saying is I want you to be teachable. I want you to allow them to instruct you, not just to encourage you, but also to correct you. I want you to learn. I want you to learn. I don't know about you, but the longer I walk with God, the longer I'm a Christian, the least or the less I think of myself. Is that true for you? And I think that's why he's talking to young people, because in our immaturity, we're not always the most teachable. The Apostle Paul, who wrote about like half the New Testament, right? He, um, you probably know his story. If you don't, you got to read about the guy. But he got saved in 36 AD, and he died in 66 AD. 
So 30 years he's saved and, and following the Lord and doing ministry. And about 10 years before his death, not about exactly 10 years before his death in 56, Paul would write to the Corinthians and he would say, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the apostles. And when you read that, you go, he's humble. Because if we're honest, most of us would look at him as the greatest of the apostles. And I could give a whole list of reasons why. But he writes to them and he goes, I'm the least of apostles. Seven years later, three years before his death, he tells the Ephesians, I'm the least of the saints. I'm the least of the saints. And then one year before his death, he writes in 1 Timothy, I'm the chief among all sinners. And so here's what it looks like. 10 years before he dies, I'm the least of the apostles. Look at how it progresses. Seven years later, I'm the least of the saints. And a year before he meets the Lord and he's martyred for his faith, I'm chief among all sinners. His opinion of himself just kept getting lower and lower and lower. And so it does as you and I put humility on. And as we grow in the Lord, the Bible says this in Proverbs 12, 15, fools think they know what's best, but a sensible person listens to advice. Some of your translations say that fools are right in their own eyes. Have you ever met a smart dummy? You ever met an educated idiot? You go, I've never seen one. Look to Washington, D.C. There's some there. They're everywhere. And all the Republicans thought about Democrats, and the Democrats thought about Republicans, and independents thought about both. Because I don't care where you're at, there, there are people sometimes, and you'll look, and it'll kind of make you scratch your head like, you graduated Harvard? Like, I don't even see any common sense there. And I'm picking at them, but the truth is, it's probably been true in my own life. You can be a smart dummy. You can be an educated idiot. How do I know, Josh, if I need to be more teachable? Just a quick example. Do you argue your point a lot? And, and you believe you're right about a lot. And not only do you believe you're right, and is it important for you to know you're right, you want to make sure the other party knows you're right. And you argue it, and maybe you make your point, but you lose some credibility. You lose some trust. You lose some respect. Here's all I'm trying to say to you. Be teachable. Be teachable. And he said, be teachable from the elders. And if I'm really going to break it down and get practical, the elders had qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And he talks about elders, and he said, like, they got to have a good marriage because they got to manage their own household well. They got to have a good reputation, which means they've got character and they walk with the Lord. And there's a whole list of things. Here's what I'm saying to you. You're going to learn two ways in life, through mentors or through mistakes. I'd rather learn through mentors than I would mistakes. How about you? And so what, what I've found, this is a practice I do, I don't want to make mistakes that took somebody else 20 years to work through those mistakes. I'd rather find a successful practitioner in life, say marriage. And if they've got a great marriage and they've been married for 40 years, and I look at them and go, I want a marriage like that. Well, that's who I'm going to go submit myself to. That's who I want to learn from. Area of finance or, or in a certain field at work or in the church, you fill in the blank. You're looking for people who are an elder 
to you in that particular area and specifically elders in the church. Everybody on the same page? Obadiah 1.3. You go, how could it be? How could somebody not see that they need advice and believe they're always right? Obadiah 1.3. Somebody ought to name their new child Obadiah. Kaylee was in here. See, any pregnant people in here? If you have a boy or a girl, name them Obadiah. That's a good name. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Pride deceives people. I know in my own life one time I had a friend call me out. This was years ago, and there was an elderly man in our church. He was an elder in our church, and he said, Josh, you're prideful in this area, and the church is growing, but I also see your pride growing. You're using the word I a lot, and he just, man, he laid into me. No holds barred. He did not hold back. He was completely honest, but he did do it with love. But I was deeply offended. I didn't believe he was right. And I remember thinking to myself, if it was true, I could see it. How can I not see it? Because when you take on pride, you get blind. It blinds you. So you got to listen to people. you got to be teachable. Here's the second thing that this pastor spoke to me, and hopefully it will speak the same to you. Be a servant. Be a servant. He says, all of you submit one to another and be clothed with humility. I worked up the word clothe this morning because it just really, you know, it stood out to me because in other places I knew the Lord said, put on humility. And here he says, be clothed with humility. And I learned something early this morning, about 3 or 4 a.m. that I honestly didn't know till today. Here's what I learned. You go, wow, you got your sermon late. I'm not a preacher and I'm busy and I've been out of town for three weeks and I just got back. So cut me some slack, okay? But early this morning, here's what I read. That word clothe, it literally spoke to a towel that belonged to a servant. When he said, be clothed with humility, here's what he's saying. Take on the towel, or it said apron of a servant. I gotta be honest with you. When I saw that in Bible Hub this morning, that blew my mind. Because you're already probably thinking what I'm thinking. And some of you aren't thinking that because you're like me. You didn't grow up in church. But I want to show you something. It's in John 13. And supper being ended. John 13 too. Supper's over. Anybody call dinner supper or is that a Tennessee thing? I haven't heard that in Oklahoma. But where I'm from, it's supper, baby. That's, that's how I know John was from the southern part of Israel. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Verse 4, rose from supper, laid aside his garment, speaking of Jesus, took a towel and girded himself. Can I say something? When it says be clothed with humility, that cloth it talked about is the same cloth Jesus is putting on right now. It was the towel, it was the apron, it was the cloth of the servant. And Jesus clothed himself with humility. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. And you go, okay, Josh, I got it. When he says, be clothed with humility, submitting one to another, he's saying we need to serve each other. Yes. But if we stop there, it's not enough. Because Jesus didn't just serve people that served him. He served the man that betrayed him. He served the man that had been stealing 
from the treasury from day one. He served the person that would turn him in for 30 pieces of silver, betray him with a kiss. The man that it was better than he never had been born, Jesus served, took that cloth of humility. He took the apron of the servant that he had girded around his waist and he took the towel and he washed his feet. We opened a Hope Center over near the beach on the East Coast. And I visited some Hope Centers this week. I was speaking to a Free Will Baptist group and just loved it. Had a great time with their convention and, and uh, their, you know, annual meeting they have. And then I drove and saw some centers. And I came to one Hope Center and I met a pastor. I met him once, didn't really know him. So I got to know him, got to know his wife a little better. And while I was there, they told a story that blew my mind. It's the story of a servant. I never heard anything like it. They shared with me how the wife had been abused by her father sexually growing up. He molested his own daughter. Now, in my mind, that's about as bad as it can get. They shared how it created trauma and things that happened, and, there, and it took years to get healing and healthy emotionally and, and other ways, and shared what all Christ had done in her life. And then they said this, but when he was sick and before he died, they needed a nurse to come in and take care of him. And it just so happened, she was, did home health. She was a nurse. And she volunteered her name and said, can I go take care of this man? He's my father. And they said, yeah, we'll let you do that. She had to bathe the man that had molested her. That was part of the job. She said, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I felt the presence of God as I served my enemy. And as I cared for him, I felt God doing a work in my own heart, in my own life. And God set me completely free as I loved, cared, and witnessed to my dad that it hurt me. Jesus washed the feet of Judas. She washed and bathed her molester. And some of you go, this is way too heavy for a Sunday morning. Uh, you, I ain't doing it. Well, maybe you could start here. Could you just stop flipping off the guy in traffic? When two of you pull up to the same spot at Walmart, could you stop taking the spot, or if they take the spot, giving them a piece of your mind? You got to quit giving everybody a piece of your mind. You don't have much left. Savor what you can. Serve people. Every day, we're given the opportunity. Somebody at, back there that was um, at the door greeting us and handing out cards, dropped the cards. Max, if y'all don't know Max, he's sitting in the back. But Max, he got down and he picked up all the cards. And he handed them the cards. And we were just talking about Max is leading some things with some you know, Rick Warren and Craig Rochelle and some big things. But then I watched him reach down there and pick up those cards. And I thought, that's an example of what we're talking about today. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care about any of those things. If somebody drops cards, will you pick them up for them? If the waitress is having a bad day, are you snobby? You gonna t are you just going to be encouraging to her? If, if somebody needs some help, if a, if a neighbor, just serve people. Because Jesus said, submit one to another. Literally, submit yourself to another human being. 
and be clothed with humility. It's a choice. Actually, the Bible says, humble yourself or God will humble you. Can I go ahead and say, pick one. Pick the first one. <laughs> humble yourself. You don't want the Lord humbling you. You want to you humble yourself. Here's the third thing I noticed. I think this one's really good. I liked it. Be on the right side. Be on the right side. And you go, Josh, what does that mean? It said, God resist the proud. All this from 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. God resist the proud. So he goes, submitting one to another, clothe yourself with humility. Got it? Check. And then he goes, and God resist the proud. That word resist, really interesting word. I learned this years ago, but I was reminded of it this morning. It means to range oneself against another. It literally means, some of your translation reads, God opposes the proud because it means to be on the opposing team. In other words, think about it this way. When I got saved, one of the coolest things I learned um, early on in my salvation at the church from my pastor is he talked about God's fighting your battles for you. And he gave this illustration and he said, God's going before you and as you're walking into your trials and tribulations and persecution and all your mess and being the only Christian in my family and the only Christian that was on my team and the only Christian in my friend group, man, everybody thought I'd lost my mind and that felt like all I was going through was trials and tribulation and persecution. But he said this, he said, God's in front of you and God's fighting for you. We even had a song we sang back then. And it, and it talked about the battle belongs to the Lord. Anybody remember that song? And we sing. I can't sing, but that's how it went. I love that song because it was so encouraging to me that God was fighting for me. But here's what the Bible says. But God resists the proud. Can I, can I really break that down, make it really simple? That's God fighting against you. When I'm humble, God's fighting for me. But when I'm proud... Remember the God that was in front of me and he's fighting before me? When I'm proud, God turns around and he starts fighting against me. To range one's self against another. It, it, it literally says this, to set oneself against the other. I didn't say this, the Bible said it. And you go, well, this is discouraging. <laughs> Because the, the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And now you're telling me if I'm proud, God wants to destroy me too. I didn't say that. So you got to remember there's two type of leaders when they go to battle toward another. The first is people like Adolf Hitler, Genghis Khan, Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot. I have a friend that during the Pol Pot regime, you know, in two years, he killed one out of four. He killed 25% of the population of Cambodia. They'd save bullets and just take children and beat them against trees. If you've ever been to Cambodia, I've, I've been to the killing fields. I've seen the skulls and the bones. And He took pictures of everybody as he would set them down in the chair. You'd push a button and a spike would go out into their head and would kill them. And before the spike would hit the back of their head, puncturing through their skull, he took a picture. And all those pictures, thousands of pictures, Above all those bones are there. And you can see the people's face. I saw a little five, she had to be five or six, a little girl, and you could see Tara, tears were coming down her face. And they would capture it in the pictures because he would surround himself with the pictures. A lot of times when we think of war, we think of somebody that just goes to annihilate. They go to kill. 
and they go to hurt. And, and that's true. I have a friend, Barnabas Mame. He's planted over 400, I'm sorry, 300 churches in Cambodia. He's one of the most humble men of God I ever met. If you Wikipedia this, you'll read about one camp alone, 20,000 people were there. Only seven lived, seven out of 20,000. Barnabas was one of those seven. He lived in a cage. He buried the dead. You think about that, you think, wow. See, when I think about somebody being set against another in battle, that's the kind of horrific stuff I think about. But that's not all the kings that's ever lived. Thomas Jefferson, you guys remember him in American history? He had a favorite leader he talked about a lot. His name was Cyrus. Cyrus was king of Persia. Many referred to him as the king of other kings or the king of kings. Your Bible actually talks about him and the word of God in the Old Testament. He's the king that commissioned Zerubbabel to go and rebuild the temple, and he gave them money and resources and people to do it. That's the Cyrus that Thomas Jefferson would talk about. Cyrus believed we only conquer if there's a chance we would be conquered. And we only fight the enemy until their surrender. And at the moment of their surrender, we harm no one, for they are now our friends. Cyrus was known to do this. When he would conquer a people, he would take leaders that were alive from the people. He would set them up and let them rule their own people. He gave people freedom to worship whatever God they were worshiping. He gave them autonomy. He wanted them to be free. The only thing he asked is you will be under my rule in that you will not attack my people for my people and your people will become one people even though we're diverse. God doesn't fight against you like Paul Pot. God fights against you like Cyrus, the king of Persia. God's only fighting against you for you to surrender. Because when you surrender, ultimately the Lord wants you to have freedom. And God wants you to worship him. God knows that pride goeth before a fall, and so God resists the proud not because he hates you, but because he loves you. He's not doing it to harm you. He's doing it to protect you. But why kick against the goads? That's what Paul said. And you're like, what in the world does that mean, getting kicked in the goads? What's that, what's that talking about? They would take this sharp, pointy, long stick in the oxen. They'd poke him with it, and he'd kick. But the more he kicked, they'd just poke him more. And they were trying to get that oxen to surrender. And so what God's trying to do is get us to the place of surrender. Why? Because that's where your best life's at. That's where peace is at. That's where joy is at. That's where freedom's at. That's where if you ever get there, there's no other life like it. He wants you to surrender. God resists the proud. Here, here's the fourth thing I saw. Not only do you need to be teachable and be a servant and be on the right side, be getting that extra grace. Be getting that extra grace. It's a little gangster the way I said it. I know I didn't know how else to say it. Sounds like a rap song, doesn't it? Be getting that extra grace. But the Bible said this. He said he gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6, the passage, it reads pretty similar. He said, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hear it again. He gives more grace. What do you mean more grace? Well, well the Bible tells us that we're all saved by what? Faith through, but there's more grace. 
Grace beyond just the grace of salvation. That word grace literally means favor. There's more favor. And you go, Josh, I'm not following here. If I humble myself, God gives me more grace. God gives me more favor. Let me share it with you this way. Anybody got kids in here? Raise your hand. Any baby mamas in here, baby daddies in the room? I got kids. I got five kids. Yeah. People are always like, brother, you must love kids. Not really. <laughs> love the wife. Love the wife. Actually, I love my kids. I'm joking. I got five kids. And I love all my kids. And all of my children had dad's favor. But I got to tell you, sometimes some of them be getting a little extra favor. You go, what do you mean? I got this little one named Finn. And I was down in my back one time for three days. Hard to believe a man like me would be down his back. But it was. Not really hard to believe. And I'm in bed, and Finn, they, did, they weren't in school. He came in there and laid with me every day. And I'm watching old westerns. I like that John Wayne bonanza. I like all that kind of, you go, why? I just never watch it, and I was down, and I just like old westerns. And so I'm watching him, and at one point I realize he's just sitting there with me, but he's not even looking at the TV. He's looking at me. He'd been rubbing my head. He's like, at this time, I guess he's six, seven. And I said, Finn, are you having fun? Do you like these shows? He goes, Dad, I hate these movies. I said, why are you in here? He goes, I want to be with you. And so I thought by removing him away, he could have fun. I told Jay, you need to get him. He's crying, pitching a fit. She lets him go. He runs over and hugs me, and he goes, Dad, I just want to be with you. I got to tell you, in moments like that, extra grace. What do you want, ice cream, bicycle, four-wheeler, 30 acres? What do you want, son? $1,000? And all of you know what I'm talking about. There are times you go, when my kids get prideful and arrogant and they don't listen to me and they put it up, I understand why God resists the proud. I feel that. But you also understand why he gives more grace to the humble because we've all experienced our kids. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, not my hands, not my gifts. Seek me. Turn from their wicked ways. Then what will I do? Give more grace. Hear, heal, forgive. Here's the last thing I'll tell you real quick. This is the fifth thing I noticed. Be humble to the point of obedience. He said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in time. He will exalt you in time. Man, this sounded so familiar, so i got to read another passage to you. This says pretty much the same thing, but it relates it to Jesus. Philippians 2.8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Can we just stop for a minute? You guys probably know because you sit in Pastor Steve's church that there's four Greek words for love. There's three Greek words for time. There's like seven different, you know, Greek words for praise and you got or worship and you got all that stuff. Well, there's a particular Greek word for humble here and it literally means humiliated. It's when someone allows themselves to be humiliated. Jesus was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He came as a man, but make no mistake about it, he's fully God. He walked on water, he raised the dead, said himself, no man lays my life down, I choose to lay my own life down. You don't have any authority unless it's given to you. He literally said, I could call down legions of angels out of heaven right now, I could wipe the earth clean. 
But the Bible says through his humility. You pick up today the whole topic. We're talking about humility. Through his humility, humiliating himself, being, allowing himself to be humiliated to the death of the cross because he would hang there naked and beaten and wrongly accused and lied about and misjudged. And in that humiliation, he would die there. And that, that scripture, when I read that, it makes me go, wow. You know, there's sometimes in my own life through the years that maybe I felt looked over. I don't believe God really loves self-promotion because God wants us to be humble. God doesn't want us to toot our own horn. Remember the Pharisees would do that when they'd give or they'd fast or they'd pray, they'd blow horns and they'd get in public places and, and they weren't really doing it for God. They were doing it for others. And the Bible says that's not how we're to do it. We're supposed to be humble. But sometimes when you're doing it in private and you don't promote yourself, you feel looked over or, or, or maybe not noticed or maybe not appreciated. And you, and you wonder at times, man, should I say something? Should I do something? And, and here's all I can tell you. God give you that more grace. Remember, God can do for you in a minute what a man can't do for you in a lifetime. You got to humble yourself through obedience. I'm going to wrap this up. You know the first time I ever experienced this? It was the night I got saved. I was a drug addict at a church. I'd never been to church. I didn't grow up in church. My father and mother never took me to church. My dad told me, your wallet and your wife. Preachers are good for two things. Son, they want to take your wallet and they want to take your wife. And that's all I really knew about church. I didn't know Jesus Christ died on a cross. I didn't even know Jesus was the son of God. I'd never heard any of that. And the first time I heard it, I remember saying to myself, I don't know how I know, but I know that's the truth. And I'll give my life to it. You go, how'd you know, Josh? I have no idea. But when you know, you know. And I knew I just heard truth. And, I, and it was different back then than today. You know, today we'll say, hey, raise your hand, or you can go meet with a crew out the back. or go. But back then, at least in the little church I got saved on, it saved in, the preacher said this, in a minute I'm going to call you forward. And somebody in here, if you die, you'll go to hell. And, and you're living a sinful life, and you need to repent of your sin. And in a minute I'm going to let you come forward before the whole congregation and profess your faith. And all of a sudden, whew, this is where that humility to the point of obedience, even to the cross, even unto death, this is where I felt that humility in my life for the first time, or at least practiced it. Because I remember thinking, I don't know anybody in this room outside of one guy, the guy that invited me. His name was Jeff. I don't know anybody else. And all I could think of, how humiliating for me to go forward in front of all of these people and say, I'm the rotten sinner. I'm the one. It's going to go to hell. It was humiliating. But I remember thinking to myself, if this is truth, and I know it is, Christ died for me. And I thought about my life. and I just thought if he died for me, if he hung on that cross the way that preacher said, and he did that for me, I don't care how humiliated I am in front of anybody. I don't care if the whole world knows. And I walked forward in front of everybody and I gave my life to Christ. The Bible says, he who humbles himself shall be exalted. He who exalts himself shall be humbled. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves, God exalts us.
God always, throughout Scripture, chooses humble people. When he chose Moses, the Bible said he was the most humble man on the face of the planet. We know that because he tells us that in the book that he wrote. I'm telling you, it's true. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's why he put it there. And throughout the Bible, God picks people that don't believe they can. They don't know if they ever would. Like They're insecure. And God loves that sense of humility. It's not the person that thinks more highly of themselves God's looking for. It's the person that's not even sure. It wouldn't be the first time. I remember one time a pastor came to my church, kind of like I came to your church this morning, and he's preaching, and he's preaching on lust and dishonesty and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, and I'm going to give an altar call in a minute, and, and, and some of you need to come forward. And i got to be honest with you, I've been battling in my mind. It was in my 20s, and I was struggling with thoughts in my mind that were not godly. And, and I've really been asking God to help me, but it was a constant struggle, and I knew I need to go forward. But then I thought, if I go forward, what will people in the church think? I'm the pastor of the church. And then I thought, well, nobody will know because it's generic and they won't really know what I'm going forward for. And then he said this. He goes, and by the way, don't come forward unless you're coming forward to say, that's me. I battle lust. I need free from this bondage. And I thought, oh, my God. There's another opportunity where God was saying, Josh, This humility will be humiliating. But if you'll be obedient, I'm about to set you free. And I've had to experience that again and again and again in my life where there's a guy that's being an enemy against me and just horrible things. You wouldn't even believe all that he was saying and doing to me and my wife, my family. And one time the Lord said, what I want you to do is go lay down on the floor, put your hands on his feet and pray for him. I thought, Lord... I don't want to lay on the floor and pray on his dirty shoes. I want to punch him in his fat nose. But I knew, because I've been there, the Lord's saying, I want you to be humble. Humility shows in obedience. There's some of you in here today, you need to give your life to Christ. There's some of you in here today, you need to forgive somebody. There's some in you here today, you need to accept the call of God that's on your life. Why don't you just fill in the blank today? Whatever that thing is that God's calling you to be obedient to, you need to respond. And you go, oh, it feels so humiliating. Yeah, but God's going to lift you up. He's going to exalt you. He's going to make you great. He's going to do great things with you. Would you bow your heads real quick and we'll pray. I don't have time. We've got a third service. and I'm not going to do it the way it was done for me, but if there is somebody here today and you go, I've got to receive Christ. I'm not right with God. If I died right now, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. But by golly, I'm not leaving this place till I fix that. I'm going to have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to get forgiven. I'm going to get a new slate, a fresh start here and now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'll pray with you. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, come on, six. God bless you guys. Hey, I'm going to pray with you right now, and then we'll wrap it up. I'll pray for others. If you just raise your hand, say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And I know that's the truth. And you rose again on the third day. I believe in you. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of sin. 
and I say, I am not good, but you're good. And I turn from my sin and I turn from you, turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give my hand clap real quick. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.